Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I think the best metaphor would be the Wild Wild West. It's a place of immense potentials. Do you have what it takes to overcome this? Then you're going to have access to every good thing. If you don't, you're going to be decimated. Why is it that you don't have lenders just going there and just start giving loans to everybody? I think the first thing you notice about Africa and Nigeria in particular is the lack of consequence. In the days of the American frontier, even the later days, the economy of the wild, wild west was still developing and defined by resource extraction. Now it's a center of global tech innovation. Oh, to have had an ancestor that bought a little plot of land in the Bay Area back in those days. Well, perhaps you can be that astute ancestor for someone else. Because you're late, but not too late, to jump on the Nigeria bandwagon. Home to 200 million people and less and less every day, but an economy that can be described as still developing, defined by resource extraction, and more than a little like the wild, wild west. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Adedeji Olowe, founder and CEO at LendSquare and trustee at Open Banking Nigeria. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Brendan. Adedeji, you walked the path from electrical engineering to traditional banking to fintech to founding your own venture to venture capital. So if we talk about your experience, there really is a lot to summarize. But let's try and do that first before we get into the, the real discussion. Well, quite interesting. I never really planned to be in finance. When I finished university doing electrical engineering, it just happened that uh, banking was really looking for very bright young people, engineers, science, even veterinary doctors while coming to banking. And I'm glad that I worked in banking for 16 years. I spent most of my time in finance, then moving to payments. And I was in payment for quite a while. Uh, of course, obviously, I did tons of technology, even across technology in finance and technology in payments. And then after that, I was a VC for five years before deciding to fully launch and scale LensQuare. At one time, I've tried to do LensQuare. I was doing it by the side. And by the time there was an established product market fit, right, I decided to just do it. And, you know, a startup is fun. It's crazy. And, well, I'm happy that I didn't know how difficult it would be. But before we talk about LensQuare and what it's doing, would you mind sort of educating me a little bit on the market context in Nigeria? And maybe since you've been at the forefront of fintech as well, how have fintech players shaped what that industry looks like today? Oh, okay. Thank you so much, right? So if you look at Nigeria from outside, and I think the best metaphor would be the wide, wide west. Yeah. It's a place of immense potentials, right? But also a place where you have rattlesnakes, scorpions, very ash weather. Now, it is more like, do you have what it takes to overcome this? Then you're going to have access to every good thing. If you don't, you're going to be decimated. So Nigeria is 200 million people and significant potentials, right? When we talk about payments, right, before we go into credit, first Nigeria discovered and grew telecoms. 
22 years ago when MTN came to Nigeria. MTN then was like maybe second in South Africa. Telcom yeah. was very big and Telcom used to bully MTN all over yeah, the place. And then MTN went up not. But MTN didn't even bring capital. They actually raised the capital they used to buy the license from Nigeria. And today, MTN Nigeria represents 60% of the MTN group. MTN went through hell to get there, right? But the payoff is nice. Now, it's the same thing for payments as well. Payments grew massively. Every Nigerian is used to transferring money quickly, getting money getting there in seconds. It's natural. In fact, it was so successful that by the time mobile money was coming to Nigeria, mobile money failed. It failed because the problem mobile money was going to solve, which is transferring money easily, was already yeah. solved yeah. by faster payment and interbank transfer. Now, unfortunately, credit never got the memo. So you're looking at a very large country that has potential for probably over $100 billion worth of consumer and SME credit per year. If anybody cracks that, that person is going to make so much money and create so much value that it will make MTN and all the payment providers that we've been celebrating so far look like kids because credit almost have infinite needs. You need credit for every facet of your life, including buying a phone as well. So that's the potential, right? Yeah. But what I haven't told you are the pitfalls. The pitfalls <laughs> are many. Nigeria consumer credit space is very crazy. It's just like Kenya as well. It's so crazy that the government has to use Google to crack down on a number of spurious and very badly behaved lenders. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. And those are sour help how everybody thinks about lending in Nigeria. Right. So, yes, the potentials are there and the problems are not trivial at all. So I would say anyone who's got what it takes to solve that problem will reap significant potential. We've seen Nigerians leading businesses built out of Silicon Valley, built out of London, built you know, at the traditional hubs of fintech. But now, and this is sort of just anecdotal off of LinkedIn, I'm seeing more and more Nigerian businesses being built in Nigeria. Is there now a fully fledged fintech or startup hub? Uh, in Lagos or in Nigeria? So actually, right, the narrative of uh, Nigerian company being built outside of Nigeria, that is mostly for optics. Here's the thing, right? Uh, you're a Nigerian company. You start in Nigeria. You operate in Nigeria. You need to raise funds. So you set up a Delaware company, and then you are suddenly a Nigerian company operating out of Delaware. They are all Nigerian companies, and they are being built in Nigeria. But from a financial and jurisdictional point of view, you could say, oh, we have an office in the UK, we have an office in, in the US. Brendan, they are all Nigerian companies. Yeah. They are built, serviced by Nigerians, and they're serving Nigerians as well. And I, and I think uh, one of the things that made that easy is because the internet, especially faster internet, has kind of uh, created a diffusion that allows those innovations to come around. And you could say, as you're solving a problem in Nigeria, those same solutions could be applied in South Africa or vice versa. And then you could also say you're a Nigerian company operating out of London as well. Nobody cares because yeah. that barrier, the friction is being removed by the internet. Or let me use this word, by faster and more accessible and cost-effective internet. At Adeja, we're here to talk about LensSquare, that, uh, you know, the, the real topic. But I want to do one last little bit of, of context before we get there or a little bit of education for me. You are also involved in open banking in Nigeria. And would you mind just talking to me about open banking in Nigeria? What is the status? The British led this 
and they are globally known to be the leader so far, even though Brazil is coming right at the EOS in terms of scale of adoption and the elegance of the solution. But then, you know, the, the British created open banking to solve a competition problem. And then we saw that same solution and felt, okay, you know what? We do have a competition problem, but this same solution, right, could actually solve an innovation problem for us in Nigeria where every single bank, when speaking the same language, could remove significant friction from our fintechs and other integrators connected to the bank. So we started open banking and uh, we started working with the central bank, Elion, and other banks. And then we were able to bring in all the top names to join open banking, all the big four, PwC, EY, KPMG, they are very strong member of open banking, all the top fintechs, Flutter with Paystack, MoneyPoint, all of them are part of open banking as well, alongside tons and tons of individual contributors. So we work with government to bring out the first regulation on open banking. That basically said every bank is required to do open banking. And that came out in February 2021. Subsequently, we had we worked together with government and then we came out with the one that came out made this year that says this is how it's going to work. These are the guidelines. So there's an ongoing implementation conversations all over the place. And when we talk about this phase, basically we are defining how the system will actually talk at the not and both level. And we want to make sure that everybody coming to the table is doing the right thing in the right way as prescribed by law. So that's where we are right now. I would say that we should be looking at about maybe early next year to go live. This thing should, we should have gone live in probably 2019, but you know what? We just have to be happy with what we have for, for now. And Adeja, you when you when you moved to to start the business, you were already very successful and very busy. You had many tasks that you were doing at the time, many roles you were fulfilling. So you certainly didn't need to take on a new challenge of starting a whole new business. So what was the gap or the inspiration that you saw in the market that tempted you to to go on and, and do that? Okay, so so I knew that if Nigeria was going to grow and middle class emerge, there has to be a credit culture, right? And I knew that one person wouldn't be able to do it. One lender wouldn't be able to do it. Because when you look at Nigeria and look at why credit doesn't work, you need to understand that it's a lack of consequences that kill credit. So yes, it's, sometimes it's good to you want to use data to make a decision, but that becomes useless when you find out that there are no consequences for bad behavior. And what you find out that that is directly correlated to breakdown in the state. When governments are not responsible, then people behave or do whatever they want. So in Nigeria today, if you took money and you don't pay back, absolutely nothing happens to you. And if you want to go through the court of law or you want to use the proper process to go through this, sometimes the cost of that significantly outweighs the loan that's been given, so you let it go. Yeah. You just decide next time to say, everybody that looks like that last borrower, I'm not going to give them money, yeah. which severely limits your business now. One of the things that Lensquare is doing is that by having a technology-driven consequence system, that problem is going to go away because if Brendan were to be a lender and I borrow money for him and I didn't pay, if I showed up with other lenders again, I'm never going to get the credit. Quickly, it becomes known that, oh, if you took money and you don't pay back, you're probably not going to get any loan anywhere again. Yeah, That's the consequence. Nothing else. Nobody's going to take you to court. You just will push yourself out. Now, once you remove the problem of willingness to pay out of this, it's easy to use algorithm to figure out capacity to pay. Things like, do you have a job? How much do you get owned? How much do you get paid at the end of every month or every week? 
how much you spend in servicing under loans, how much you spend on living. And that is where open banking is going to work because open banking will make access to data in a method that is consented by the customer and extremely elegant, safe, secure, with privacy, it's going to transform credit entirely. Yeah. These moves to to weed out that bad lending then and 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 make it a, a smoother system to run you're also adding more efficiencies in a system point of view as well so it's double efficiencies mm-hmm. or efficiencies and effectiveness but adding those savings to the system yeah benefits the lenders of course but it also benefits the the good consumers who are paying who can build that reputation maybe that one small loan first which they pay down and they get a, big, a better loan at better rates and very quickly they've established a set of patterns that are proving themselves to be reliable so I knew that if we build a system that is able to make that happen, kind of bar the bad borrowers and accentuate the chance of good borrowers to be able to get money, then that would change significantly. And we also knew that the technology to run your own business as a lender is available. Yeah, fine. And they work well, but they're just so expensive. They're only available for the biggest lenders and the biggest banks. Yeah. What if we made this thing entirely possible bring it to everybody. And that foundational kind of thinking is one of the things I would say I'm lucky to have. So let me give you a good example. Both of us, we're doing podcasts right now. You are like a million miles away from me. We've never met before, right? But yeah. the faster internet made all those things possible. Without good internet, literally, all the popular podcasts we know of, all the online streamings, all the different stars that were discovered easily without having to go through the traditional means wouldn't have happened. I want to be the internet of credit. That's what we're building, right? I want to be that platform that makes creation and discovery of credit to be significantly easy. Let's get into some of those nuts and bolts. What does that mean? What is the product? Basically, everything you need to learn, technically and data, we'll provide for you. All you need to do is bring your operations, your capital, and your brand. That's all. In simple terms, we sometimes call ourselves the Shopify for lenders. Lending is a very complicated business. It's not like the other businesses like e-commerce where you have stores, SKUs, then you sell, and then you handle delivery and you are done. Lending is a very involved process, and it's like pregnancy, it has terms. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So... Right from discovery or origination, right? People need technology to be able to originate easily, cheaply, cost-effectively. And then you've got to make a decision. I haven't seen Brenda before. Why should I give money to him? 
what assurance do I have is going to pay back? And those assurances are not based on yes and no. Sometimes they're based on dealing with tons and tons of type of data, some structured, others unstructured to make decisions quickly. And then you need to do approval and get it disbursed. Does it go to him? Does it go to his bank account? Does it go to a third party where Brendan doesn't have access to credit, yeah. right? But is responsible. Then after that, you're looking at reporting. You want to sit on your dashboard and just know where the ship of your lending is going. Is it going towards the Titanic iceberg <laughs> or is it just trailing and sailing to a safe harbor, right? And then you can cost correct as this thing starts continuing. And then after that, you want to do payments, right? You want to re be repaid. Do you wait for customer to pay you or does the system allow you to do your debit or credit card to pull money to pay you as a you? Do you provide maybe a virtual account so they could send money over the wire? Just are questions you ask and those are things we provide. And then lastly, you want to do recovery because no matter how good your portfolio is, there's going to be a couple that probably will not pay on time. You want to have a system in place that can ethically and with empathy sometimes follow down and get your money back. That is what we provide for lenders, right? Because literally, those are the things they grapple with. And the idea will be, if we take away this pain from you, how will you lend? Very, very well. Yeah. If we think about that originations part and particularly the, the kind of credit evaluation, the credit scoring part, what sort of data is available for you to bring in or for lenders to, to use uh, when they're evaluating a loan? What we're looking at in terms of like open banking perhaps coming in, in the future, but in terms of credit bureaus, in terms of coverage of, of data, alternative data that may be popular in the industry. So, you know, traditionally in more developed countries, you need a credit history for you to be able to get loans. But before you get into the history, you need to make your first loan, right? So which becomes a chicken and egg problem. And when you look at the Nigerian space, it's almost impossible. Most people that come from loans, maybe about 10 to 20%, we actually have access to have history. Most don't. So what we've done is, first and foremost, we've created this decision algorithm and ecosystem that is very cost-effective, very fast, and then straight to the point. Because getting data to make a decision in Nigeria is expensive, like going to credit bureau. We built it around a, a pipeline by checking through first our blacklist, then it goes through like what we call a, a velocity engine. And then after that, it goes into scoring, which is a traditional uh, risk assessment approach that most risk managers do. And then we get to use the credit bureau with customers, right? So... In Nigeria today, uh, the data you have to make a decision, right, where somebody will pay you back on now is separating willingness from capacity. Yeah. So the first thing we do, we don't care about your capacity at first. We care about your willingness. Willingness can be inferred from probably having history of bad behaviors or having patterns that are synonymous with bad behavior. So we have all those in our secret sources, right? So when you fling, take down those loan requests, then you start dealing with things like capacity, right? Remember, irrespective of capacity, someone who didn't pay back wouldn't pay back. So let's spend more time in willingness to pay back. And to be very frank, what we found out in Nigeria is that when loans are due or, or past due, most often than not, the non-repayment or non-servicing of those loans are not due to capacity issues. They are usually due to there's a fair attitude. I just believe I can get away with this. Yeah. Let me try my luck. Yeah. Now, so we try use data to do that. And what kind of data do we use? 
your willingness to pay, we actually look at your past behavior. If you have loans that you haven't paid, which is going through credit bureau, things like multiple profiles logging to the same app, those are some of those red flags. So we turn those things down. Before we then look at capacity, you you couldn't be earning a thousand dollars a month, and then you want six thousand dollar loan to pay back over six months. You know, where are you going to get the money? We advise our lenders to use common sense debt to income ratio, thirty five percent being their guideline, and then that's it. That's how we do it. Once you have a system like this available to the market. How is it changing the experience for borrowers? How is it making it easier for them to, to gain access to credit? Okay, so the experience has been twofold. Unless right now we have about 3,000 lenders, if you took money from one of them and you went to another one, you will never get a loan again. That is frustrating for these bad guys, but it's extremely comforting for the lenders to determine that, wow, you mean that he couldn't take money from me and I would probably have given him if not for the system. Lenders find that extremely innovative and heartwarming that I've got these things watching out for me. Something's got my back. For the lenders as well, they are able to create significant, very complex rules that meet their individual needs without needing to have developers or very fancy dead boys have to do it for them. So they could write very complex rules about who could get their loan and how much they want to offer. So they have this incredible access to technology the biggest lenders don't even have. So when I was younger, like a younger professional, my CEO then, group CEO at UBA, they were going to create video conferencing and then they spent like a million dollars because they have to put boxes in every boardroom and they were in 19 African countries at that time. It was a big deal. Now, we are having this podcast virtually. Yeah. Never met you before, we met online. We want to be the Google Meet of lending make lending so ridiculously easy, cheap, and very secure that every single person either leave their job and become licensed to become a lender or they could do it by the side and still make significant tons of money. Because what would then happen is that they are able to underwrite very secure loan and then they can end the profit on it. And profit on loans is very good. I think the traditional model was that oh, the prices will be high because of the, the risk. But Actually, a lot of the costs were high because the operations were expensive to run because the lack of systems the, or the, the expense of, of putting in systems at, at, at smaller scales. And yeah. so actually, all those prices can drop, people get access to credit, and you're starting to build these reputations in your system so the good borrowers filter through, they can get access to more and more competition, better and better rates and, and offers. So a win-win for everyone involved. Um, so I, I feel like it's going to take a little while. So we're talking about something we call data supremacy. We're almost there because we have tons and tons of customers right now. We have loads of customers and also tons of lenders as well. But it's going to get to the kind of inflection point when this thing becomes self-serving. Maybe one year, one, one year to go, we might get there. I want us to get there on time and we're working on doing everything to ensure that our lenders are able to lend and scale very well. Yeah, and uh, you must be working on several things because I saw a little uh, hint hidden in your LinkedIn bio, which says that LendSquare uh, is enabling smaller lenders to scale up, guaranteeing Africans, starting with Nigerians, access to credit that would create a, a powerful long-term growth for all. So that starting with Nigerians gets me thinking, have you got some bigger plans? Are you ready to talk about what next for LendSquare or is Nigeria uh, the focus for the moment? So we're rounding up our focus on Nigeria. 
right? And we're already working or partnering with several players in different pockets of the world. I could say in Canada, in the Caribbean, and Kenya as well. And basically, we are having early stage conversations where this kind of incredible technology can actually also get to work in those places because the problem we solve in Nigeria is almost similar to problems that lenders have in Kenya or in Canada. If you are a lender in Canada, you have a good market. Delinquency is going to be very small because your borrowers know the consequences of not paying their loan. But if you are a small lender, how do you compete with CIBC, TD? If you are in the UK, how do you compete with Barclays? If you are in South Africa, how do you compete with Standard Bank right? or RMB? Once you have your capital, you need a technology that is significantly more powerful, more sophisticated than the best banks are at a cloud platform SaaS pricing. That's what we do. And at AHA, it's been really interesting speaking to you, and I, I love sort of the, the excitement uh, and, and the, the size of the problem you're solving. I think some of uh, the people listening will feel the same. So if they want to follow the story of Lensquare, they want to learn more about what you're doing, where is a good place online for them to go? You could learn everything on our blog. And we not only do we talk about what we're doing, we also talk about best practices or our thoughts around filtering credit, right? So we write a lot and that helps because we feel like many lenders or many people want to go into lending just want people who have significant insight into the kind of problem they have, tell them about it and also give them this kind of technology to do that, right? And also we have gone tons and tons of video on our YouTube channel that describe how to do most things within Lensquare so people are kind of empowered because, you know, enterprise SaaS platform can be quite daunting to use sometimes, but we're there to help our customers in every possible way. That's really good to hear, and I'll, I'll put the links to to those in the show notes. And I'd also recommend everyone follow you on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I think I first came across your profile on one of your blogs or, or, or one of your posts uh, that, yeah, well worth the, the follow. Added Edgy, yeah, thank you so much for your time, especially uh, on a weekend. It's been great learning from you. It's a market, I think, that's really coming to its own. Yeah, exciting things to come out of Nigeria uh, in the future. So I think many people should uh, take the time to go across to lensquare.com, see what you're doing, seek out some of those blogs uh, and LinkedIn posts and really see what's going to come out of, is it now Africa's biggest economy? Um, I'm pretty close. I, 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 I'm looking forward to us getting out of the woods uh, because that's affecting business for lenders as well. Because as the economy goes south, MPLs or in a customers, uh, borrowers' inability to pay back is increasing uh, at a faster clip, which has to be arrested. Because when people think people will not pay back, then you see lenders pulling back. And then the exact thing they run away from actually happen. Yeah. Uh, but yes, like you mentioned, yes, we met on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to meet great people. And I'm really grateful to be invited to, to your podcast. And I look forward to coming back again to speak on other things. But as far as credit is concerned, I'm all in. Perfect. Yes, I'll definitely have you back in the future and be keeping an eye on yeah. what you're yeah. doing with Lensquare and let everybody know as uh, things develop. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited by Fina Charlson of FC Productions. Show music is by I Am Wake, 
And you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. Thursday.